Thanks for listening to this week's Hope at Crossroads. We are glad you're taking the time to listen. As you tune in today, if you need encouragement or prayer, please reach out to us by texting 864-288-1626. Or you can connect with us through our website, hopeatcrossroads.org. Spread the word to your friends and let them know they can subscribe at Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And now, here's this week's message. Thank you, Alan. Good morning. If you've got your Bible, you know where we're headed, chapter 11 of John. And while you're turning there, let me say if you're visiting with us this morning, glad to have you. We are glad that you're here. And we are coming out of the darkness. We are getting alive, I think. Tell you what, after that congregational music, the living hope, that's all I could do not to run up here and go ahead and start preaching after that. And I was about to say, Alan, you got to sing that at the end of the service. Wow. Are you guys awake this morning? Okay, just making sure. I heard some amens and some clappings. I was like, we're about to get Baptocostal in here. It's okay. It's okay. This is a great message to get Baptocostal on. Have you ever been disappointed in God's reaction to something in your life? Don't raise your hand. Have you ever really been Dare I say it, maybe even ticked off that God didn't do something the way that you wanted Him to. Maybe you've been disappointed in His reaction to a situation. Maybe He didn't heal somebody the way that you had hoped He would heal them. Uh, Maybe you, I know some of you experienced even in this week and in the last few weeks... As Alan was describing, going to a funeral, being in a graveside service, some of you have experienced that this past week, and maybe you're disappointed. God, why didn't you, why didn't you touch that person? Why didn't you heal them the way I expected you to, or maybe the way that I thought you could? Anybody or anything maybe died in your life that you're still grieving about? I got word just this weekend, I haven't even got to share it with with Joey or our staff, that uh, Pastor Mark, our missionary in Malawi, Africa, texted me uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, late Friday, that his brother had passed away. And uh, we didn't get to be with him on our last trip, but several times before when I've been there, he's interpreted for me. I mean, he stood by my side interpreting. He was a pastor leader. I don't know all the details of what happened, but I, I hear that. And then I saw some of the pictures he sent me, and I, I started to go, God, why in the world would you let that happen? You ever have those thoughts? If, if you have, you're normal, by the way. If you've, never, if you've ever questioned why God didn't respond the way that you hoped, you are normal. We're going to start actually this morning and for the next couple of weeks talking a little bit about our mission as a church, which is making disciples who serve, shelter, and support the transforming work of Christ. I I hope you know that is our mission. Three years ago, you collectively as a church body came up with that. And uh, I love those words, especially the one shelter. We're going to talk about that this morning. Uh, Next week, we're going to look at serve. But when I think about shelter, I think about what our church does is crossroads, how we as the church, the people of God, shelter one another, and we shelter people outside the church. We love on each other through good times and through challenging times. And we have a a great story here, ironically, maybe not, that we follow on this morning in John chapter 11. Uh, where Jesus demonstrates to us a lot of great characteristics of what it looks like to shelter somebody. I love this story. 
And so as we read it this morning, maybe you would just ask yourself the question, uh, because these points won't necessarily be in the outline, uh, what are some of the characteristics that you see uh, here in this story about sheltering? And I think there are several. So let's read it together. John chapter 11. Long, long chapter here, so I'll try to be quick, but you follow along. Verse 1. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And John tells us, even though we'll read about this next week, this was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. The sisters therefore sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And Jesus, when he heard this, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Now, it's interesting that he says it's not unto death because Lazarus has already died. So just kind of remember that. Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when therefore he had heard that he was sick, he stayed then two days longer in the place where he was. Now let's just stop for just a minute and make some observations and we'll kind of pick up. It's interesting here that uh, when you read this story in the Gospel of John, the other Gospel writers don't tell this story. They do not record this story for us. It's only in the Gospel of John. To me, that's interesting. And there's maybe a lot of different reasons. Some people say that when the other Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, wrote their stories that Lazarus maybe was still alive. That's a possibility. Uh, some say that they weren't necessarily around when this story happened. We don't read that the disciples are there. Maybe they were traveling and doing ministry. We know that, that Peter was not present at this time uh, because he was in Galilee while Jesus was serving. So there could be a lot of different reasons, but we have this, gratefully, we have this one account from John about this man being sick named Lazarus, which by the way, Lazarus means God is my help, just so you know. I love that. And Jesus, it says in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. He had a close relationship with this family. When Lazarus it was sick, it would be natural for them to want their friend, Jesus, uh, to know about this need. It was important to them, which brings me to one of the characteristics. This won't be on the screen, but one of the characteristics about sheltering is it is natural to share your needs with people who love you and are concerned about you. Now, let me just stop right here and say this. In North America, we do not do that well. Because we have our standard response. When people ask us how we're doing, we like to say, I'm fine. But church family, I just want to encourage you. One of the great things about being a brother and sister in Christ and having a church family is to share our needs with each other. And sometimes those are difficult things to share, but that is what they did here. And Jesus knew about these needs, and he found out that that Lazarus was sick, and it's interesting because Mary and Martha summoned Jesus to come. They didn't ask Jesus specifically to come and to heal Lazarus because he was already dead. But Jesus, knowing them and being friends with them, they didn't have to tell Jesus exactly what to do. They just had to say, come, and he came. But it's interesting, a couple things that we read there about this account so far as we find out that when Jesus heard it, he said something very interesting. The sickness is not unto death. Obviously, he knew something they didn't know. 
let me encourage you today. If God's ever responded, if the Lord's ever responded in a way that you didn't want, if he didn't answer prayer the way that you hoped, take great comfort in the fact that he probably knows something you don't know. Now that's hard, a hard pill to swallow when you're in the midst of a situation. But I can tell you 100% of the time that's true. God knows something that you don't know. We're going to find out a very interesting thing that I actually discovered this week that Jesus knew that they didn't realize. And so he gets there and he said, this sickness is not unto death. And actually he even puts off going. The Bible tells us in verse 6 that he, when he heard that he was sick, he stayed where he was two days longer. I was trying to think, and I, I, I can't remember when it was, but I remember... Uh, there was a time, one time I was traveling, and Lynette wound up, I was going to ask her this morning, I couldn't remember where it was, she wound up going to the hospital, and I remember her calling me where I was, I remember where I was, I was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, I remember the phone ringing, I remember her saying, hey, I don't feel well, I think something's going on, I'm going to the hospital, and what did I say? Huh? I'm on my way, absolutely right. Because if I had not said I'm on my way, she might have come after me. <laughs> Some of you have been married, you know, you already knew the answer to that question. Yes, ma'am, I'm on my way. No, I was on my way. I loved her. I didn't know what was going on with her. And I got in the car and I started just barreling down the interstate at a high rate of speed. But when Jesus finds out that one of his closest friends is dead, and they, they ask for him to come... He puts off going for two days. Now, I don't know what your reaction is when you read things in the Bible like that, but my reaction is like, what is your... Uh, I mean, I know the end of the story, right? But if I didn't know the end of the story, I'd be like, what are you thinking? And these are friends of yours, and you're putting this off for two days? I mean, my wife says, hey, I'm not feeling well. I think I'm going to be in the hospital. I, I was like, I'm on my way, and I was on my way. I made that four-hour trip in about two hours. Because I was concerned. And so we find Jesus here doing something that for most of us, this guy included, the preacher, pastor included, causes me to have to go, hmm, this is interesting. And here's the first point. The first point is this. When God delays answering in a way maybe that you won't, it's not a denial of his love for you. God's delay does not equal a denial of his love. We're going to find that out as we go through the scripture. Lazarus was already dead, and yet Jesus said that this sickness is not unto death because he knew something that they didn't know. He knew the end of the story was going to result in his glory and a very, very big dramatic change in what was happening there. He also knew, and we know, as we've been going through the book of John, that this was kind of the last straw for the religious people they've kind of been held at bay from what they're getting ready to do from the, their their next process in taking jesus to the cross but this right here he knew what he was getting ready to do was going to set off a chain of events that was going to have him crucified so all these things are going on behind the scenes that they don't understand or maybe know about which reminds me of this also god's ways are not our ways God does not think like you and I. I wish he did. No, I, you're glad that he doesn't think like me. God's ways are much higher. And so John reminds us here when he 
goes through this first few verses that Jesus loved. I like how he says in verse 5, Jesus loved Martha, he loved Martha's sister, and he loved Lazarus. He almost points them out just individually, just an important reminder that he does, he does not, has not forgotten them. He loves them. The fact that he's going to delay responding does not deny the fact that he has a great love for these people. Two more days. One commentator I was reading this week said it brilliantly. I love this. Can you imagine two more days of them agonizing in grief and sorrow? Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've lost a loved one in the last few weeks or months. Or maybe it's been many years and you still have that sorrow. We all probably have lost somebody we can relate to that at least a little bit. Here's what one commentator, he said, The fact that it was two extra days, sorrow is prolonged for the same reason that sorrow is sent. It is of little use to send sorrow for a short while. Why is that true? Well, it's true for a couple reasons. We experience sadness and sorrow and delay, but the other thing that's true is we experience God's timing. And we don't understand sometimes that when we're going through sorrow and sadness, God is teaching us some things. And we're going to discover in just a few minutes what some of those things are that he is teaching us. So let's pick up the story, what what continues to happen. Then after this, Jesus said to his disciples, verse 7, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you and you're wanting to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he doesn't stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Then he said, after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I need to go that I may awaken him out of the sleep. The disciples therefore said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. And Jesus had spoken of his death, for they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. And Jesus therefore said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, so you may believe. But let us go to him. Wow. Interesting. Oftentimes in Scripture, Jesus would refer refer to people sleeping when they had died. And yet the disciples are still thinking, oh, he means that Lazarus is just literally asleep. And finally, Jesus has to be crystal clear. Guys, our friend is dead. He's dead. Make no mistake about it. He is dead. It's interesting the way Jesus uses that metaphor of sleep. He said uh, of that of uh, Jairus' daughter back in Matthew. He said that she was asleep. When Stephen was uh, his martyrdom, we're told that he fell asleep in the book of Acts. But he finally says, Lazarus is dead. But it's interesting that he says, Lazarus is dead and I am glad. Wow. (laughs) How could Jesus say that? He could say that because he was certain of the outcome that we're going to read about in just a minute. We, we see events in this chapter and we see the grief that is happening here and how Jesus comforts the people in this necessary death of Lazarus. All these were reasons to be glad. And somebody said it this way, we learn that Jesus often permits us to pass into profound darkness and deep mysteries of pain. Why? In order that we may prove more perfectly his power. Can I encourage you? If you're in deep distress, and it may not seem like it now, maybe you're in deep sorrow or sadness. If you're a child of God, it probably is, according to God's Word, an opportunity for God to more perfectly 
prove his power. Now you might not want to hear that right now. Because sometimes it's hard to hear those things in the midst of the situation in which we find ourselves. But Jesus loves you. Romans says it this way. Paul said it this way. I'm sure that all things work together for the good to those that are called according to his purposes. And Jesus is working in us and through us to do something incredible. Well, what was the result of his delay? What happened? How did people respond? Let's pick it up at verse 17. It says, when Jesus came, he found that he had already, that's Lazarus, had been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Martha, therefore, when she heard Jesus was coming, she ran out, she went out to meet him, but Mary still sat in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Let's stop there for just a minute. What was the result of Jesus' delay? Why in the world would he delay? Well, the result was, and we see this being the case in this story, delays sometimes cause disappointment. The result was, Martha was very disappointed. She runs out and she says to Jesus, if you'd been here, he'd still be alive. You ever had that reaction? I have. Death of a friend or loved one. If you'd have intervened, God, he'd still be alive. By the way, it's okay to feel that way. Y'all are looking at me like you're self-righteous, like you've never done that. Yes, you have. We've all done that. Either the death of a friend or maybe a death of a relationship or death of a job. Or it could be a death of anything that we get all frustrated and angry. Guess what? God's big enough to handle our anger and frustration. We don't knock him off the throne because we get angry or frustrated. He's big enough to handle it. And Martha goes out and she's really disappointed with Jesus. He's been in the tomb. Lazarus has been in the tomb four days. Now you may say, why in the world did he wait four days? I'm so glad you asked that question. Thank you for texting me that question. That's a great question. I discovered something this week that I did not know, which is why I love studying For the messages each week. There was a Jewish superstition of the day. That said that a soul would stay near the grave for three days. And hover around the grave for three days. And Jesus wanted to make sure. That after the superstition was that after three days there was no hope for resuscitation. The soul could not go back to the body. There was no hope for This person coming back to life. So Jesus wanted to make sure that none of his critics would say, oh, well, the soul was kind of hovering around, and since you showed up two days early. No, he wanted to make sure, I'm going to wait four days. So nobody can question what's getting ready to happen, even though we know the religious people are going to question it. So he showed up for four days after many of the Jews we, we read that were there. They surround Mary, this large crowd of people. Which is another indication, another characteristic of of sheltering that they do real well in other countries outside of North America. 
It was considered actually an obligation when somebody passed away that you would join those who are mourning, the relatives, you would join them and you would stay there with them not just for a day, not just for a celebration of life service, not just for a graveside service. No, you would stay there with the family for days and weeks and weeks and you would mourn with them and you would wail with them and you would cry with them. We could learn a lot here in North America from the way they do things in other parts of the world. Our friend Pastor Mark, they will, they will be mourning and mourning for weeks and weeks. And for those of you that have lost friends and relatives in the last few months, please don't allow us as your brothers and sisters in Christ, and I hope we don't come across this way, we try not to come across this way, that we think your sorrow ends after a one-hour service. No way. Those of you who have lost people, our hearts are still broken for you. We love you. We hurt for you. We grieve for you. We cry for you. Because that's what brothers and sisters in Christ do. So to sense that that Martha is frustrated, some of you are going, I understand why she's frustrated. I could be doing the same chant and the same yelling at Jesus right now. So this crowd was there and she says, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, it's interesting. Think about this a minute. I just started thinking about this this week. It's interesting. They knew the miracles that Jesus had done. They knew Jesus had healed people. They knew Jesus had fed thousands of people. They knew Jesus had turned water into wine. They knew all these things, miracles that Jesus had done. So they maybe thought that Jesus could have healed their brother while he was alive. But they had no comprehension that Jesus was about to do something incredible when the brother had already died. That he was about to conquer something that we just sung about. Because he was the resurrection. He not is the the resurrection. He is the resurrection. And so even though this happened, even in her misery, though it's interesting that she says this in verse 22. She chastised the Lord a little bit, but then she kind of switches gears and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. There should be a but there at the beginning of verse 22. I think. Because she says, even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I wish you'd have been here when my brother died. But even now, I know that you are God. You are Jesus. You are God in the flesh. You can receive from the Lord whatever you ask of God. My faith is in you. So these delays that happen in our life, yes, these delays can sometimes cause disappointment, but they can also do what they did in her life, in Martha's life. The delays can strengthen our faith despite the disappointment that we feel. That's the third thing that we see here. Because she cried out to Jesus. And her delay, even though she was disappointed, she still was seeing this bit of faith. There can be great power, by the way, in even, I call them even now prayers. God, I lost my job, I lost this, I lost this family member, I lost that. But even now, Lord, I know you're God. Even when these situations are going, I still know you're God. That's great faith, even in the midst of disappointment and delay. How in the world can we have that kind of faith? How did she have that kind of faith? Well, let's keep reading. Jesus said to her in verse 23, your brother is going to rise again. And she says, I I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she she knew even that promise that Jesus had made that in the last day he would rise again. But Jesus says, 
Here's one of the great I am statements that Jesus makes. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. So what can we learn from what Jesus is saying here? This delay provides an opportunity for her to learn. And this delay, sometimes in your life and my life, when Jesus doesn't respond the way that we want, provides us an opportunity to learn. He gives her a couple of things that she needs to learn. Maybe she doesn't know. The first one that he says is, I am the resurrection and the life. Now again, she understood that one day he would, he would rise again on the resurrection day. But she had no idea that Jesus meant, uh, no, resurrection day is coming in just a few minutes for him. She had no idea, no comprehension of that. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. It's not that he claimed to have the resurrection and the life. It's not that he understood the secrets about the resurrection and the life. It's not that he knew the key to the resurrection and the life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. That's good news. It's good news when we, when we face disappointments. To know Jesus is to know resurrection and life. To have Jesus is to have resurrection and life. And so he has this conversation with her and she, he asks her, do you believe this? And she says, yes, I believe. And dear church family, if you believe that, and I believe that, and I do believe that, by the way, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life, when we physically die, as Jesus has taught us, when we physically die on this earth, we are instantaneously transported into the presence of God Almighty. Because He conquers death. He's getting ready to give us kind of a precursor to what's going to happen to Him when He gets crucified on the cross. Powerful story. So those who believe in Jesus, sometimes we think, you know, we're just off the planet and we're dead and we're in the ground and we're just... But no, we're forever with the Lord. Death cannot kill a believer. Death only ushers us into a new place, a new life. And Jesus is making an enormous claim here in front of these people when he says, I am the resurrection and I'm the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Only, only God could say that, and they knew that. The religious people knew only God can say something like that. And so Martha hears this story. She says, yes, she believes. She runs back off and she goes to grab her sister Mary. Verse 28, she goes in, she runs away, she calls her sister Mary. Hey, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. Verse 29, when she heard it, she arose quickly and she was coming to him. Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha met him. She had run out to meet him. Verse 31, the Jews who were with her in the house... And consoling her, when they saw she rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Did we just hear that just a minute ago? You can tell they're related to catch your sisters. She has the same reaction that her sister has. She runs out and says, Whoa, where have you been? If you'd been here, he would not have died. It's remarkable how the similarity it's likely the two of them had been talking long before Jesus showed up. Yeah, if he had been here, if only, I know, if only he'd been here, but he wasn't here, but if only he'd been here. 
And when Mary came, and she fell at his feet, and again in her disappointment, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. When, what happened? What was Jesus' reaction? Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit, and he was troubled. And they said, where have you, he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then most of us in the world have memorized this verse of Scripture. Very good. You've memorized this verse. Jesus wept. That's good. Most of us know that verse. Jesus wept. Two words, but very powerful. You could preach. We could have three or four sermons on those two words. We don't have time. Jesus wept. And I just tell you today, if you're weeping, if the God of the universe, if the God of the universe in human flesh weeps, he recognizes it when you weep. It's not not being a man if you weep. It's not not being masculine if you have sorrow and if you're sad and you're depressed and you're hurting. Jesus proves right here in that one verse, two words in one verse, that he was not only fully God, he was fully man. Because he sympathized with them. He knew what was happening. And if you actually study the words there, the interesting fact about those two words is when it says Jesus wept, there's a very important contrast between the words where it says Jesus wept and the weeping of Mary and Martha. The word that's used when Mary is talking about weeping is a word that describes wailing. Like they're just, ah! I mean, they're just, they're screaming, they're crying out, they're in pain, and they're weeping. But the word where it says Jesus wept is actually a different Greek word that means a quiet weeping that's in control. Why was he in control with his weeping? Because he knew what was getting ready to happen. He knew the sequel. He wasn't waiting on it to come out of the theaters. He already knew what the sequel was going to be. But he was still greatly moved. It says he groaned in his spirit. And if you study the original Greek language there, I'm not an expert, by the way. I do some studying to find these things out, just like you would if you were up here preaching, hopefully. And this groaning that is happening is a literal phrase. It means to snort like a horse. And the groaning is not groaning because he's sad. The groaning is groaning because he's angry. And you may say, why would Jesus be angry the fact that his friend has died? Jesus was angry because he was angry at death. And he had decided right then and there, this is it. No more is death going to be able to have reign on people. I'm getting ready to conquer death. And I'm going to show people that I can conquer death. And so he was troubled, he was angry and troubled at the destruction and the power of this great enemy of humanity, death, and he weeps. And we know because he weeps that he is truly a man. He's acquainted with our grief, the Bible tells us. And we know he identifies other people in the Bible who weep because he thinks it's significant. He talks about Abraham weeping when he buried his wife Sarah. He talks about David and Jonathan, brothers in Christ, who wept together. He talks about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, a whole book of the Bible. Sometimes we're told that if our friends and our families we know are going to rise again from the grave and we're at a funeral, sometimes friends, in meaning well, try to tell us, well, don't weep, you'll see them again. Hush. If you tell people that, stop. There's a time for weeping and a time for mourning. 
And as the former pastor here might need to know, even though there was a pamphlet distributed talking about dancing, there's also a time for dancing. <laughs> so it's all right to be sad. It's all right to grieve. It's all right when Jesus is sometimes delaying and not reacting the way that we want him to react. We have to trust in the fact that he's working behind the scenes to do something incredible. So what happens to the rest of the story? Jesus is so moved. Verse 38 says he's so moved that he goes over to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. This won't be the first stone that's moved where there's not a powerful result. And the stone is moved. And Jesus says, Remove the stone, and Martha is there, and she says, Lord, by this time there's going to be a stench. He's been dead for four days. Jesus says, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank thee that thou heardest me, and I know that thou hearest me always, but because of the people standing around, I will say it. That you may believe that thou didst, that they may believe that thou didst sent me. And when he had said a few things, he cried out with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth!" He who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. It's interesting. Some Bible scholars say that they're glad that he said, "Lazarus, come forth." Because if you'd have just said, come forth, you'd have had zombie land. Everybody would have been coming up out of the graves, walking around. Lord, who are you calling? You didn't tell you my name, so here I am. I don't know. I don't know what would have happened. Church family, do we know? Do I know? I don't. I'll just be honest. I don't. I'm learning. But do we know the power of God Almighty in His voice? If you go back and you look at Genesis, by His voice He created by his voice, he raises people from the dead. I don't know about you, but we need to get over the fact that the world keeps telling us we have a wimpy God. We don't have a wimpy God. We've got an almighty, powerful God who with his voice can command people who are dead, who are not just sleeping, but who are dead, to walk out of a grave alive. That's a powerful God. Amen. Amen. Be careful. Don't get too bad to cost on me. I don't want to follow a wimpy God. I'll just be honest. I don't want to follow a wimpy God. He shouts out and tells him to come out. And he comes out. What's interesting is he comes out, but he's still bound up hand and foot with his wrappings and his face is wrapped around the cloth. And Jesus says to those that are standing around, all this audience who's watching, who's absolutely, their, their minds are probably blown like we would be. He says, unbind him and let him go, which is kind of interesting. I wrote in my notes, it's, it's interesting that Jesus did what he could only do, which was to bring this man back to life. But then he called on other people to participate and do what only they could do, which was to take the rest of the bandages off. Jesus is looking for our cooperation to do some miraculous things. I just kind of wrote that in my notes. Spurgeon said it this way, the great preacher said this, What a man can do for himself, God will not do for him. And what Christian people can do for sinners, they must not expect the Lord to do for them. They must work themselves according to the ability God has given them. 
up to the point of possibility and then look for divine interposition. Wow. I'd love to tell you that when all the people standing around saw this, that they all fell at their feet in worship of Jesus, just going, wow, you, uh, you proved yourself again, 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 again. You proved yourself again, but this time this was over the top because you raised somebody from the dead. I'd love to tell you that everybody was standing around with applause going, this is wonderful, but we know that's not the case. There were two different reactions. Let me give them to you real quick as we, as we wrap up. Verse 45, many of the people of the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what, we, what he had done, believed in him. But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. So the chief priest and the Pharisees convened a council. And they were saying, what are we going to do? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him keep on like this, all men will believe in him. Two reactions from the crowd. One of belief. One of, oh, we can't let this continue. Because this will not be good because everybody will choose to believe. My friend, can I just encourage you this morning? Maybe you have experienced a delay in your life from God working. Hang on. Hang on. Because he's working together all things for your good. Paul says it this way in Galatians. Grow not weary in well-doing. For in due time you will reap a harvest if you do not give up. And what the enemy wants you to do is to give up. And God is saying it might feel like a delay right now. But I have some things that I want you to learn in the waiting. I don't know about you but I hate waiting. Even if I go to a restaurant on Woodruff Road and there's a 15-minute wait, I will look at Lynette and go, get in the car, there's 500 restaurants, we'll pick another one, because I don't like to wait. But Jesus has some things for us to learn in the waiting. And I don't know what it is He has for you to learn. I'm learning. And maybe you're in that waiting period on something that's going on in your life. Can I just tell you this? Just because Jesus seems to be delaying responding does not negate His love for you. Will you pray with me this morning? Father, I thank you that you are at work. I thank you for the promise that you gave Martha. That you are the resurrection. And you are the life. Lord, I thank you that the fact of the matter is, for those of us who know you, Jesus, we too will be resurrected. We too will get to spend eternity with you. I, I don't know, God, how you see things. I don't know if this would be labeled as the greatest miracle. I, I guess your own resurrection would be the greatest miracle. But you look at all the things that you've done. And to demonstrate to people that you love, Mary and Martha, your power by calling out a loved one from the grave. Lord, we can look at that and just have different thoughts about it, but the reality is you have done that for every single person in this room. You have called us to rise up as we heard sung. You've called us out of the grave because for those of us that know you, death is not the final answer. Thank you for that gift of eternal life through your Son. Dear friend, as you're praying this morning, right there in your seat, 
I just have to ask this question. Do you know the power of Jesus in your life today? Maybe you're in the midst of that waiting right now and you are very frustrated with the Lord. And that's okay. Tell Him. Tell Him. I would encourage you not just to say why, but just maybe say, God, what? Not why are you doing this, but what do you want me to learn while I'm waiting? What do you want me to learn? I'm going to say amen in just a minute. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to ask my friend Heath to come join me. If you just need somebody to encourage you this morning, to pray with you this morning, friends, we're here. If you want to just take a chair or one of these steps at the front in the altar and kneel and pray. If you need to grab somebody, maybe you find your ti- yourself right now in a time of great sadness and sorrow and you just need somebody to pray with you. Grab, grab somebody beside you and just say, will you go pray with me? Can, can we begin, church family, can we begin to demonstrate that word shelter that Jesus so beautifully demonstrated to us in this passage? Because we care about each other as friends and we love each other. Father, I pray you have your way during this invitation. And help us to be obedient to what you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? We're going to have a song of invitation. My friend Joey is going to lead us, and I ask that you just respond as the Lord leads you. If you want to make Crossroads your home, be down here at the front just to receive you and to let me know that, or Heath know that, or if you need to pray together, we're here for you this morning. We hope you've been challenged and inspired from today's message. You can find out more about the message you have heard today by visiting our website, hope at crossroads.org. If you live in the upstate South Carolina area and you're looking for a church home, we hope you'll come by and visit sometime. Details about our church and service times can also be found online. In addition, we want to invite you to check out some of the great items at our website that will help you, or you can give as a gift to a friend. Devotionals and other resources are all available at hope at crossroads.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you will tune in again next week.